Five things you need to know about Shopify SEO with Aigitai. The InSearch SEO podcast is brought to you by Rank Ranger, the all-in-one SEO platform that helps scale your business through data and analytics. Hey, it's David. What are the key elements of successful Shopify SEO? That's what we're going to be discussing today with a lady who likes coffee, plants, and home decor. <laughs> She's been a speaker at SEO Mastery Summit, is a contributing writer to the SEOblog.com, and is currently SEO specialist at Global Shares. A warm welcome to the InSearch SEO podcast, Aiki Tai. Hi, hello everyone. Hi Aiki, well thanks so much for coming on. Well, Aiki manages GlobalShares.com, so Aiki, we're talking about Shopify SEO today, so is Shopify yeah. SEO much different to, say, WordPress SEO? Um, to be honest, I think like every CMS has their strength and weakness. Um, to me, Shopify is a really, really easy to use platform. If you have no coding, technical knowledge, Shopify is good for you to set up your own e-commerce site. So, and then, you know, the community is strong and then you can easily find um, something that you need from the from the team and then you know you can get a lot of support from there and then i i really think that the ease of use is just strongest strength from shopify i'm just thinking about you know uh, a better comparison so maybe wordpress wasn't necessarily the best of comparisons there is, is there um a second best e-commerce cms solution out there that that you would also compare shopify against or shopify by far the leading e-commerce solution for smaller um, startups in the e-commerce world. To be honest, like if you ask me, I would still recommend Shopify. Mm -hmm. But yeah, of course, like there are some alternatives to Shopify, like Magento. Uh, you know, like I, I would say like they are very similar as well because, you know, they provide a good solution for every like e-commerce owners. Um, so, but like, for example, of course, like you, you need to check like uh, your budget. Uh, you need to check like how advanced you want to go. Let's say if you want just want a couple of things and then you want Shopify to take care of the main technical issues for you. Because, you know, I, I really like that uh, the support team is very strong. They keep improving their um uh, their, their technology. So, um yeah, if you ask, ask, me, ask me again, yeah, I would still recommend you to, you know, try Shopify and they have 14 days free trial. And then you can check with their support team. They're really helpful. They can, you know, answer almost also all, all of your questions. Well, that's a glowing reference. It's, but it's funny that you um, mentioned Magento as well, because um, I'm aware of Magento as well. And I, I did a little search for them just now. And um, I, I got um, got to the page saying Magento is now Adobe Commerce. I didn't even know about that. I didn't know Adobe bought them. Did you, did you know that? To be honest, like, <laughs> I'm not really like a, like a Magento person. But, mm. you know, yeah, in this world, like a lot of news are happening. So, yeah. So um, today you're focusing on the five things you need to know about Shopify SEO. So starting off with number one, collection versus product page. So what's what's that all about? So just imagine that like if you are handling product loads, you have a bunch of products that you want to get up, right? Uh, you just ask yourself a question. Oh, should I create a collection or sub-collection for those products or just leave them? Usually I would just ask myself back two questions. Do Will I have enough products to sit in the collection? And then the second question is, um, would be the would the collection page 
would be something people would search for. Like imagine like you create a collection page. If no one would search for that, then it's really, you know, a point to set it up. Uh, so recently I was handling a couple of painters' trousers. And then I realized that the customers, industrial painters, mm-hmm. um, they wear something very specific for working which are painted trousers. And then so I knew that uh, painted trouser collection would be something that they really would Google if they need one. So that's why I decided to create one. And I also want to say, uh, I got this question asked a lot. People ask, okay, so what about the content writing? Would it be something different? Um, would it be like a little bit different or quite similar to uh, a product page uh, setup? Um, I would say, a collection page should be a little bit more general, but at the same time, it should be navigational. It means that on a collection page, you should provide relevant sub-collections or linking for people to explore other similar things. Again, if you land on a collection page called Workwear, you would like to put up like jackets, trousers, shoes, boots, this type of similar things because I want to buy a workwear trouser. And then, so I know that jackets is not my option. I don't want to, you know, look for something very general. I just want to look for trousers. So if I am provided with other similar relevant options, then a collection page with navigational value would be something nice for a uh, customer. And also don't forget about products because sometimes I land on a collection page and it just has a bunch of sub collections. Yeah, I think it's good that like you guide them, you know, from a main page to a collection page, then to a sub sub collection page. It's great. But you know, sometimes, you know, customers, they just want to compare pricing. They want to see different colors. So why not provide them like, you know, as many options as possible? Use the word collection. Um, obviously, Shopify used the word collection. Is that the same as a category? Category. Or is yeah. It, is, is yeah. Actually, Sorry, yeah, because yeah. I just want to, yeah, to be more relevant to the Shopify owners. But you're right. Collection means categories. If if you are re, um, if you are a WordPress user, you will be more familiar with category. But like if you are a Shopify user, then it would be collection. And number two is product page writing. So no copy and paste. Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, I think many people know about that. But, you know, you know, sometimes it's just so tempting. You know, your manufacturers, your suppliers send you loads of information about the products, right? And then you just want to copy and paste. You know, that's really understandable. Um, so I want to share like some quick tips um, for any Shopify owners to write something unique because everyone knows that unique content is valuable for search engines. Um, I would say that do copy content from them, but use your knowledge because like, if you are in the industry long enough, you definitely have some personal experience to share with your customers. Um, so definitely include your expert tip in your content, you know, just a small like tip box or a small info box to tell people that, hey, you come to the right place. I'm the industry leader. I can tell you some interesting or like some useful tip to help you address your problem. And also include customer questions and answers. Yeah, as I said, like if you're in the industry long enough, you definitely have a 
bunch of frequently asked questions. So include them. And reviews are also a good way to generate unique content. You don't really need to do a lot of things. You know, just provide them a space for them to write their experience. And then, you know, other users would like to read before purchasing. Um yeah, so those are some great tips. And I also want to share one bonus tip, uh, which is to restructure the content. You have a lot of content from manufacturers, from your suppliers. That's great. But, you know, sometimes it's just only in text format. So you could, you know, spend some time to transform the text the tax information to like maybe to show different icons and under the icons just say a little bit benefits or, or features about the products so it could like you know give a very good user experience to your customers and then make them stay a little bit longer on your side to show that okay this is something that I really want. And number three, keywords cannibalization. So does this mean that on Shopify sites, it's a bad idea to rank more than one page for the same keyword phrase? Uh, this is ideal, to be honest. But, you know, it's very, it's this this, this issue is very common um, in e-commerce, especially if you have a very big e-commerce site. Cannibalization is just so common. Imagine that you have a workwear shop. You will have like, heavy duty trouser A and heavy duty trouser B. They are just so, you know, they could be popular. And then you, you could have like C and D and E. And you don't want to give up any because like all of them are so popular and then they generate revenues, right? So I want to give you a quick tip to address this uh, cannibalization. If you have a bunch of similar trousers on your shop, you should first create a collection and then um, uh, and then to assign all those uh, relevant products to this collection, like heavy duty trousers, right? And then on each single product page, link it back to the collection because all those internal linking can send Google or other search engines a very strong signal that, hey, Google, I want you to pay attention to this collection page because it has very strong link signal and it is something that I want you to rank for. I want you to, um, you know, rank it higher up than other uh, pages. Mm -hmm. And also when a person land on a collection page and they can see different options, even they don't like product A, they still have a chance to look at product B, product C in, instead of, okay, just that A trouser. I don't like sorry, I need to leave. And then you just lose a potential customer. Takes us up to number four, which is wise internal linking strategies. Yeah, sorry. Actually, I have a nice image, but like, you know, I know that I can't really show it here, but like I can explain um, I, what does that mean of a wise internal linking strategy? Yeah, well, um, I, I, you shared that yeah. <laughs> um, beforehand that you'd actually um, put a little presentation together as well. So yeah. I want to share with the listener, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or, or whatever, just an audio form only, um, if you go to the Rank Ranger blog, then hopefully we'll be able to embed the presentation that you put together so um, people will be able to look at what uh, what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, that would be great. Um, so imagine that we want to link from page A to page B. You just, okay, insert the link and then make sure the link is fine 
then perfect. Um, so it's nothing wrong with a traditional or regular approach to do internal linking. That's completely no problem. But sometimes, you know, in like especially when you have an e-commerce site, you want something um, with a strong visual impact and power to, you know, make your customers stay longer and then to explore other things, right? So I think instead of just doing a regular link, you could use icons. Um, I've seen many nice uh, big retailers, they use icons with a nice uh, small little anchor text and then link it to other sub-collections. So um, capitalize, capitalizing on icons and some small buttons uh, would be also very nice uh, on a collection page. Uh, and then like you may ask me, okay, what about product page? I also want to have some um, uh, nice or uh, visual internal linking for my pages. Um, I I remember that I recently um, made a um, hammer page, a bunch of hammer page uh, pages. Um, so it's from a uh, Finnish brand called Friskers. So this is a really so this is pages actually it, selling the product a hammer. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. So, sorry, I just want to make sure that yeah. you weren't re referring to an, a particular type of page, a hammer page that I hadn't actually understood. But, okay, you're selling hammers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or knives, this kind of things, right? And then um, uh, on one product page, I include a comparison table to list all different sizes. Because, you know, if you buy a knife, right? And then um, you may be... Um, interested in a particular size and then but like if you land on a page and then the size is not something that you are after and then but if you see a comparison table with a nice product shot with some very simple uh like dimension name length or weight like some simple uh um uh, description and then you see that oh wow so the supplier actually has a bunch of different options with different sizes even like the, the page that I'm on is not something that I'm after but I know which one I should click on and then I will just go there and to buy my particular size product so I think that a comparison table is a definitely good option you should have uh, for your um, product page. And then actually Amazon and then some big retailers are also using it. And of course, related items or people say uh, people also bought section is also something nice uh, for implementing internal linking. Which takes us up to number five, common tech SEO issues. Yeah, so uh, Shopify actually... Even though I love Shopify and it's because it's very simple to use, but it has some technical issues that we need to pay attention to. And a very common one would be tag creation. So when you create a tag, Shopify automatically generates um, a tag page. So what's wrong with tag pages? Um, if you have just one, two, three, or even less than 10 tag pages, I don't think that you will have a big problem. But if you have like, if you are having a shop longer and longer, and then probably you will have like maybe 100 tag pages created each month. So it will be a big problem because a tag page actually look really, really the same as your collection page. Maybe the URL is a little bit different. Maybe the filter tree is a little bit different, but basically 
Google or other search engines will think that, okay, your collection page and your tag page are the same. So you create lots of duplicate pages or near duplicate pages to confuse Google. So Google don't like confusion. And then, you know, duplication also cause a a bunch of different problems like uh, dilution of the visibility on Google search and link equity. So we really don't want duplication. So two quick questions, two quick tips to address the problems. First, you could do a non-index for all tag pages. And I I would also include, you know, all this coding in my uh, slides. And then you could like check the uh, uh, you know, go back to the website and then check the coding that you could apply for your website. Um, so yeah, the first one is the long index and then the second one is kind of liquid tag. So both of them are a good way to address uh, the duplication problem. So now we have two options, right? Which one should I use to address my duplication problem? Uh, based on what Google said, sometimes there's no absolute answer to um, your situation. It means either way could work well for your case. Um, But just a quick one, if you really have a strong preference that I don't want my page to be found on Google search, then use non-index. and then, but like, if you think that, oh, I don't really mind, but I want to consolidate all those similar pages and then to send a signal to Google that, oh, this is the master copy that I want you to run for. But if you think other individual pages have the value for a particular search query, okay, fine. I don't mind you run that page, but like, you know, just my preference that, okay, you could run for that one. So if it's this case, then you could use a canonical tag to address your duplication problem. And then the other um, interesting technical issue, I would say, would be structured data. Uh, I know, okay, people will say that, okay, yeah, I know I should include the uh, reviews, I could, I, I should include uh, pricing, currency um, in my structured data so that Google know that it's a product and then it could it like tell people that, okay, if it's in stock or out, uh, out of stock, something like that. Yes, that's true. Uh, but today I want to share one more tip about um, your structured data for your blog posts. Um, so Google, um, I would say two years or three years back, um, introduced a schema called FAQ page schema. I would say this is a really nice schema because it could increase your real estate and it's so easy to implement for Shopify blog. And I would also include uh, all those uh, you know, steps. It's just three simple steps and then you can have a very nice uh, listing feature on Google search. The tips keep coming. Let's finish <laughs> off with... The Pareto Pickle. So Pareto says you can get 80% of your results from 20% of your efforts. What's one SEO activity that you would recommend that provides incredible results for modest levels of effort? That one must be internal linking. Um, When I first heard of it, and then I I just couldn't believe it. And wow, that's so easy. I didn't even need to write a lot of things. And then just to implement internal linking, um, I didn't really believe it, to be honest, when I heard it initially. But when I implement to my site, I really could see the difference because, um, but of course, like, you know, just make it clear here, uh, my pages are already 
optimized. So they kind of like have a good content. And then instead of, you know, to drill deeper, to think about the user, to think about like the competitors, okay, a lot of research there. So focus on internal linking. Uh, figure out the page that you want Google to pay attention to, then give the page more links. Well, um, internal linking must be the answer given, given for um, the Pareto Pickle by over 50% of um, <laughs> SEOs that I've interviewed. So there's certainly something in that one. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Ike at IkeTai on Twitter. Ike, thanks so much for being on the InSearch SEO podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you for listening. Check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the Rank Ranger platform over at rankranger.com. <laughs>